Welcome to Women Worth Knowing, the new title for the podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. Women Worth Knowing is not affiliated, associated, authorized, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with the website Women You Should Know. Welcome again to Women You Should Know, Jasmine Allnut and myself, Cheryl Broderson. We're talking today about Corey Ten Boom. Yes. Once again, we're ready for part two. I'm sure we left you guys hanging and you were sitting there sleepless nights waiting for the That's next right. one to come out. Right. <laughs> okay. So Corey's 52 at this time. Yes. And she's in the um, sort of in a work camp, right? She's in a work she's camp in, in a work Holland camp with in her Holland. sister. Mm-hmm. Never was able to go back home no. after being in solitary confinement. Well, they're hoping for release yeah. because everybody else, by this time they know everybody else has been released. Yeah, her sister Nolly actually wrote her a letter and she thought Nolly's writing is usually so so good. What is wrong with it? Mm. Because it all pointed like it all slanted and she realized it slanted toward the stamp. And when she removed the stamp, uh, Nolly had written to her that the Jews, she of course it was um in code. Yes. But the Jews had been released, had all gotten to safety. Amazing. Except for one woman who uh, purposely went out to the streets and allowed herself to be arrested. Oh, wow. That's a whole different story that you have to read in The Hiding Place. Yes, absolutely. But Man, the, the rest, ingenuity yeah. to like write a letter like that, like yes. with the stamp and yes. oh, so clever. Anyway, it, it was amazing. <laughs> so anyway, then one day, uh, because this is 1944. Remember, this is like the this is when uh, the tide begins to turn mm-hmm. and Germany begins to lose sometime after D-Day. So Mm. Germany is uh, beginning to lose, and this camp has been bombed. So they put all the prisoners, all these female prisoners, back in these cars. And they the train starts, and she doesn't know where they're going. And then Mm. she realizes, um, somebody says, we're going to Germany. And she realizes by the direction of the train that they're going into Germany. This is what they dreaded. Because no one who went to Germany ever left. Yeah, And now they're going to Germany. And can I say, and, and and you were talking about in the last episode the cards they you know how they were crammed into those cattle cars and I've been to Auschwitz and and so to even just think now now I actually have a visual of what that was like and you see there one of the actual cars they used wow. it's wow yeah it's very powerful yeah. and very sobering but yeah, yeah I mean and well you know to think that if they needed water they would open yes. the doors and they would give them water but she said the the women became beastly. Like yeah. the ones in the front would drink all the water and not pass it around to yeah. those in the back. And she and Betsy, Betsy insisted on always being in the back, <sighs> letting everybody else have everything. When they get to Amazing. Ravensbrook, and these are women in their 50s. They're completely stripped. And they mm. have to, they're supposed to strip down and walk mm. in front of these men naked to make mm. sure they don't have anything. And then they get these showers. Well, before they go into the showers, mm. when they're about to go before these men on the way to the showers, she's got a Bible and she's got Betsy's medicine. Hmm. And she wants to make sure she can keep both of those. And she gets this idea. She also has a sweater that her sister Nolly had given her, a blue sweater. And she knew Betsy needed it because Betsy was tiny. Corey going oh, well. into this was substantial and Betsy was tiny. And she and, was healthier than Betsy, yeah. Right. And then Betsy's 59. Yeah. And so she sees this pile of things that's just crawling with cockroaches. But she knows they're going to come back into this room. So she wraps the Bible and the medicine in the sweater and sticks it where oh, all those gosh. cockroaches are oh, gosh. in this, like, you know, wood pile. And then they go and, you know, they take their showers. They have to walk naked in front of these men. And one yeah. of the soldiers is super mean to Betsy as they're doing mm-hmm. this. So they take their showers. 
they have to get dressed in these really thin dresses. Mm-hmm. And so Corey takes the sweater, uh, puts it under Betsy's uniform. So they can't see the sweater that Betsy's wearing because it's underneath. And she sneaks the medicine and the Bible on her frame. And she's thinking these dresses are so small. And then they're patting everybody down. But they come to Betsy and they just do a light pat and send her on. Mm. And so Corey's like waiting to be patted down. Like, okay, this is it. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm going down. And the, the guard's like, you know, Schnell, Schnell, like keep going. <laughs> and you know, you're so slow. It pushes her from behind. So that Corey is like propelled out of, you oh, know, I forward. It, and they don't catch anything. Thank God. But yes. then they see the barracks. Now these barracks should hold about 58 women. Mm. And they have 800 women. Crazy. So there's like four to a bed. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Yes. And not only that, it's infested with lice and fleas, like oh. infested. I mean, right away. I'm, yes. And Betsy Everywhere. said, oh, Corey, let's give thanks. And Corey's like, I can give thanks for everything but these fleas. Man, can I just say that was something that just stands out to me is, and this goes back to even what you were saying in the last episode, the lessons of how she learned some of these things early on that were woven into her life. Betsy reminds me so much of their father and the compassion, the way he was able to see things through the eyes of the Lord with such hope. Like one time when their friends were initially, their Jewish friends were initially starting to be, you know, persecuted basically and carted off and and all of that. Uh, uh, Corey remembered one time she was with her father and they're watching one of their family friends get shoved by all these German soldiers. And, um, and then, and she's thinking, oh, those poor things. And she looks at her dad and he's looking at the German soldiers and saying, Yes, those poor creatures, they don't realize that they're touching the apple of his eye. Yes. He had such compassion, yes. even for the Germans, yes. and just, oh, how sad yes. that they would be that way. Betsy really manifested a lot of that same, uh, I don't know, that same perspective. She did. It was just beautiful and gave Corey a check in her perspective over and over. Right. So. Well, also, um, so Betsy has this medicine that she needs to take, mm. and these other women are sick, and she's like, Corey, we need to share the medicine. And Corey's like, I don't think so. We barely have any left. Totally. But Corey began to share the medicine with all these women, and it lasted. It was like the widow in Kings, yes. in the Book of Kings. Um, that she doesn't mm. know how that bottle. Like she'd say, it's it's surely empty now, and there was always enough mm. for every person, and it was just a tiny little bottle. Wow. And it was at Betsy's insistence yes. that they share. Well, there's one nurse who is actually sympathetic for all the Jews. Mm. And she sneaks all these vitamins and medicine to them. Mm. And again, uh, Corey learns to give thanks because the Germans never raided their room, their barracks, because the German soldiers would not come in, these women, because of all the lice and the fleas. So they were protected. And (laughs) Betsy and Corey had Bible studies uh, two times a day Mm. um, just to help and encourage the women. And we're not talking about how hard it was, but it was. There was a roll call sometimes at four o'clock in the morning right. because the guards were just cruel and it would be freezing. Oh, and two also, and I'm assuming this is probably the same as what we saw at Auschwitz, but with the way the beds were set up, like you were saying, four to a bed. And then what if somebody gets sick and they're in the top bunk above you and they become weak and they're not able to get up and um, go to the bathroom? They're going to the bathroom. I mean, it was just all of that. Yeah, just so beastly. Oh, yeah. And just the bathrooms in, yeah. and the conditions. So, it yeah. was just hideous. So this one day, I'll just tell this one story. Uh, they were singing a hymn. Mm. And this one lady said, Shh, you got to stop. The meanest Gestapo matron is coming in. You've, you've got to stop. She's coming. And, you know, we'll all get mm. in trouble and you'll get us all in trouble. And Corey prayed and said, Lord, should we stop singing because she's coming? 
And she felt the Lord say, no, you keep singing. So this German guard comes in. And again, she had been the meanest. And she comes in and she's standing there. And after they finished, she said, another, another song. And so <laughs> they sang another song. You know, something I didn't mention is that Corey grew up, her father spoke English, Dutch, and German. Yes. And he insisted that all his children learn English, Dutch, and German, which was amazing. It was so the Lord, because yeah. when they're in these German concentration camps, they are able to translate. Mm-hmm. And, and they knew everything that was going on. They know everything that's, that's wow. going on. And so they sing a, another <laughs> hymn and another. And after that, this guard softened towards them. Wow. And, you know, um, knew the Bible was letting things go. It was amazing. But again, too, the Germans are looking like they're they're losing now. Mm. And the food got even more scarce mm. in Ravensbrück than it had been before. So one day, sometime November or December, mm. uh, Betsy says, you know, Corey, the Lord has shown me so much that we're going to be released. We're both going to be released um, within a month. And Corey, the Lord has shown me that you're going to go all over the world telling mm. everyone that there is no pit so deep that the love of Jesus is not deeper still. Mm. And Corey's, you know, going, okay, Betsy. And she goes, and Corey, we're going to have a house in Amsterdam, and it's not Baye. It's a different house. It's beautiful, and it's got lots mm. of gardens. And those who need restoration, um, the the Jews and, and the mm. Dutch people that have been hurt are going to need restoration. And Corey there's going to be flower boxes. Mm. And I see it. And she describes this mansion. Wow. And Corey's like, oh, how sweet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, and we're going to have a concentration camp here in Germany because these Germans that have been so mean, they're going to need restoration too. And they're going to need healing and they're going to need to know the forgiveness wow. of God for wow. all the atrocities they've done. Wow. And they're going to need healing. And so, Corey, we're going to we're going to have a concentration camp. God's going to give us a concentration camp and we're going to, to make it beautiful. A, oh, wow. <laughs> we're going to make it beautiful. And it's going to be a place of healing. Mm. Even as it was a place of destruction, it's going to be a place of healing. And Corey's like, all right, you know. So right (laughs) after that, (laughs) right, in December, Betsy becomes very, very sick. Mm. And she ends up dying. She died December 16th, 1944 at Ravensbrook. Mm. Corey then, she's got this, she's just got this profound loneliness, missing Betsy. But this Russian woman comes in and nobody will give her a place on their bed. And she makes room for this Russian woman. And Mm. it's so close. And it was a place where Betsy used to have. And she says something to the Russian woman, like, do you know Jesus? And the Russian woman says, oh, I know Jesus. He sent me uh, somebody who knows Jesus. And wow. so they have this great fellowship. Then she gets called into this office and she thinks it's because she's going to die. Anyway, as you know this story, she's released December 28, mm. 1944. Right. After. Only to find out it was a clerical error. That wow. a week after she was released, all the women over 50 were killed, wow. were put to death yeah. in that concentration camp. And she's released. And mm. she she goes to Belgium. She makes her way back to Holland where she goes to a hospital and she recuperates. Mm. And, you know, by this time, Germany is still over Holland. But she she able to resume some of her work, mm. not in the same way she she had before, but back in Harlem, mm-hmm. did she go back? Yeah, back, back in Harlem, and crazy. She, yeah, and she's 
she's giving, uh, she's back at the AA. And then what happened, though, is when the war ended, the Dutch that had sympathized and helped the Germans then got really persecuted. Mm. So the Dutch shaved their heads. They would spit on them, especially mm. the women. Their heads were shaved. They were kicked out of their houses. Wow. Their furniture was confiscated. They became the homeless, the street people. Corey took them in. Corey took them in, found them clothes, Amazing. fed them, and then she found them jobs. Yeah. And man, that's just, again, what a testament to the the forgiveness and the power of God's love because— you know, like I was saying earlier, you see that more throughout the early part of the story. You see that more in her dad and in her yes. sister, that kind of grace and that kind yeah. of forgiveness. But now Corey. Well, Corey's a little more that. real. Yeah. Like in the Heidi <laughs> totally. place, she's like, totally. ah, you know, there goes Betsy with her sweetness again. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah, totally. And in Tramp for the Lord, I mean, she's always asking the Lord for forgiveness. Yeah. Like, oh, I was really mean to that lady. Yes. And I'm, she tells us, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. So um, as she's there, um, she finds out that Jan Vogel, the one who had, uh, they called it a quizzling, mm. and he was the one who came and entrapped them yeah, yeah, and got them arrested. Yeah. She finds out that he's sentenced to death. Mm. So she writes him a letter telling him that she forgives him for everything, but telling her that, you know, you did cause the death of my father yeah. uh, who died because he vowed when when the German soldiers said to him, you've got to, you know, stop protecting the Jews, he said, you might as well keep me in prison because I will never stop yeah. helping God's people. Mm. So they said, all right. And then he died just like a day or two days later. Yeah. And so she says, even though you're responsible for the arrest of my my family, my friends, and that my, you know, by this time my nephews have died, mm. um, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I forgive you because Jesus has forgiven me everything. So he writes her back and said, I want your Jesus. Wow. Any Jesus that can provide that type of forgiveness yes. is, is who I need. So she mm. writes him a letter about how to receive the Lord and Jan Vogel receives the Lord before he he died. Amazing. Also, she meets this very wealthy woman who says, look, I have this house in Harlem now that it's just me. I want it to be used for the Lord mm. and I want it to be for restoration. And sure enough, she goes to that. It looks exactly what Betsy described. Amazing. And they open it up to restore people to health. And, you know, this woman then, you know, runs it and it becomes this wonderful place of restoration. Mm. At the same time, she ends up going to Germany and uh, she begins to speak and Mm. her testimony gets Mm. known. And so she's asked to speak in different places about her experience. And she goes to Darmstadt, which had been a concentration camp, and it's given to her Mm. and she turns it into a place of restoration Mm. and healing they put gardens, they put window boxes on Amazing. all the barracks and they clean it up and make it beautiful. Mm. And she does this because of Betsy's dream, yeah. vision, whatever it was that Betsy had. And it really did become this place of restoration. One day, this German man comes to her and he can't forgive. He says, I can't forgive. I've had because of you know all the things that happened to me. So he was not a Nazi. He had been. No, okay. no. But he okay. had had everything. His house right. had been bombed oh, by right, the right, allies right. and okay. he had lost everything. And he, I mean, she tells all these stories that yeah. there's this man, there's another woman mm-hmm. who have trouble forgiving. And then mm. she tells her story about forgiving Jan Vogel. And yeah. then the story about forgiving the man who had been really cruel to Betsy. Mm. Um, that's another story mm-hmm. that I think people need to read. Yes. You have to read that one. Yes. That one's so powerful. So powerful. So sure enough, just like Betsy had said, this happens, and she begins to be asked to speak in different places. Mm-hmm. And in 1960, she went to the USA, 
Mm. And um, most of these stories are now in Tramp for the Lord Mm. that begins to tell all the miracles because she went like um, not knowing where she was going. Just like (laughs) she'd have one address and she'd go and show up at their house and say, hello, you know. So she stays at a, she goes to New York. She stays at a YMCA. And, uh, okay. She speaks someplace, uh, YWCA, sorry. She speaks yeah. someplace. And a woman, she gets a letter from a woman. So she speaks. And so the YWCA says, you can't stay here any longer. You know, sorry, but we have. <laughs> been here you know, too long. Yes, you've been here too long. And, you know, we have to. And they said, where do you want us to send your luggage? And she's like, um, I don't know, but God will show me. And she says, oh, by the way, you got this letter. So it's a letter from a woman who says, come stay with me. I live in New York. So Corey says, this is the address I'm oh going to. Oh, my goodness. So Corey goes there, and the lady's not there. But Corey kind of camps outside the lady's apartment door and falls asleep. The lady comes at 12 and says, oh, my, you know, you know, Miss Tin Boom, come in. And from there, she gets all these speaking engagements. She begins to meet people. And the Lord begins to use her, just like Betsy said. Mm. And as we said last show, she ends up going to 63 different countries, Incredible. sharing all over the world. Mm. And then in 1971, she writes the book, The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's so well-written. It's like incredible. Yeah, it is. It is. And then in 1975, they made the movie, mm. The Hiding Place, which is still so current. You would think that they made it like last oh, yeah. year. No, it's yeah, very well-known. It's yeah. so good. In 1975, 1975, she also does something really interesting. She moves to Southern California. Hey, hey, how about that? <laughs> and so in Southern California, she had visited Calvary before, but now mm. she she's moved to Southern California. She writes five more books and she mm. makes five movies where she's, you know, speaking. And some of those movies that she made, because she's actually just talking to the camera, right, can be seen on YouTube. You can actually watch them on YouTube. Check it out, ladies, definitely. Mm -hmm. And can I say, too, some of her messages, you can get them free uh, online. I found the iHeartRadio app. You can go on and listen for free to some of her messages that she gave. And so, yeah, there's so many good resources. You know what I I find fascinating, too? For 33 years, she's, you know, from the time she's released for prison, for Mm -hmm. 33 more years, she travels all over the world. In Tramp for the Lord, there's a story about when she goes to Africa. And when she's there, she speaks to these political prisoners who really respond to the word of God. But they said, oh, no, you can't speak to the, you know, the hardened criminals. Mm. And she said, oh, please, you know, let me. So she goes in there and they're kind of like, you know, what do you know about this? And she begins to tell him about her experience in Ravensbrook. I know what a prison is like. I know what it's, you know, all of this. And so she asks who wants to receive the Lord when she's finished, and they all raise their hand. Yeah. Like everyone. And she looks, and the guards are even raising their hand. Like everyone wants to receive Jesus. So she leads them in a sinner's prayer, and they lead her out, and they're all chanting. And even the prisoners, they walk outside the gates all the way to where the car is waiting for her to take her to back Mm. to her her hotel or the house she's staying at. They're all there, all of them. And the guards aren't worried about the prisoners because they've sensed that something has changed. And they all be, they're all chanting something. And so she asks mm. her, her translator, what are they saying? And they're saying, white woman, come back. Tell us more about Jesus. <laughs> white woman, come back and tell us more about Jesus. Aww. So the woman who had been her translator says to her, I spoke here years ago and I vowed I'd never come back because it was so scary. I mm. thought I was going to die. Mm. And when you said 
I was to take you there. She said, I didn't want to at all. But now when I see what God has done, she said, I somehow have lost faith and I need to have that faith restored. Corey prays with her. Corey gets a letter from her like three years later that she continued that prison work in that prison after Mm, Corey left and taught them all about Jesus. So Tramp for the Lord has one story after another Mm. of what God was doing in that 33 years. Yeah. You know, all these. It like, doesn't end at the it concentration camp. It <laughs> doesn't end. Wow. That God kept doing things. You know, though, I do think that what you were saying too, the concentration camp taught her to look for the Lord working. Mm-hmm. She told about mm-hmm. one especially dark, hard day because it's freezing cold. Yeah. She said that they got up early, that the guards sometimes just out of spite would have them get up at four for a roll call. And make them stand there for like an hour or two hours. And like if they started to like collapse with their legs. And as she's standing in line, she hears the song of a bird. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's so beautiful. And of course, it was Betsy like, Corey, listen. Of course. Do you hear that sound? (laughs) The Lord has sent us someone to serenade, one of his own special ones to serenade Mm -hmm. us this morning. And she said she learned to appreciate like a blue sky. Yes. And, you know, Betsy would say, oh, look at the blue sky. Or if Betsy could see a flower in a field or look at this, Corey. <laughs> and she was always saying about those German guards, like you were talking about Corey's father, Casper, and his mm. compassion. Mm. Betsy was saying, Corey, after this is over, these German soldiers need to know what forgiveness feels like, mm. the forgiveness mm-hmm. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. They need to know. And that's what she wanted Darmstadt to be is a place, especially for the Germans Mm -hmm. who had acted so cruelly against God's people Mm. to be restored and to be renewed. Such an amazing, and again, it's pretty obvious in her story. All of this could only come through the Lord. There's no way that anyone would be that forgiving or be that hopeful for somebody that they, you know, that was acting really like an animal towards them or treating them so just horrifically. And, you know, Betsy is someone that when, you know, I'm reading this and and Mm. listening and watching, I'm Mm. thinking, I don't think I could be a Betsy. I've I've got too many like little naughty, like, "Mm -mm -mm." yeah. But when I read about Corey, I'm like, I could be that. Yes. She was saying that she was going to speak at this church and she read this introduction like about her, you know, like Corey Tin Boom was in Ravensbrook. She has mm. a wonderful story of forgiveness. Mm. She forgives everyone. Oh, wow. She she walks in the spirit. It was like this glowing thing. And she read it and she said, she went, uh-oh, this does not sound like the Corey Tittenboom I know at all. <laughs> so she said, the Lord spoke to her and said, Corey, are you going to let them worship a false image? Ooh. Something that's not true about you? Or do you want to be filled with the spirit? Mm. And she's like, I want to be filled with the spirit. So when she got up to speak, she said, you wrote some very nice things about Corey Tinboom, but they're just not true. <laughs> and I want to tell you about the real Corey Tinboom before mm. I speak, because I don't want you to think that that's true. And she said she didn't really want to say that because it was kind of like a, a very upper class church. And she's like, I really right. didn't want them to know that I had these faults, oh, you know, man. but the spirit of the Lord really told her to. Wow. So she said, you know, this is the real Corey. She had just the day before gotten upset. Oh, I know. So this was like a, in Cuba. So this was like a nice church in Cuba. But the night before, she had been in a different church in Cuba. Mm. And they had put her between two bongo drum players. Awesome. And she's like 80-something. <laughs> and she's between the bongo drum players. And she spoke. 
And then they had a man show these slides, and he was showing slides of all the medicine that he'd given to people, and the slides were mainly of medicine bottles. And she said, even the people weren't interested. But by this time, it's 10. Then she said that the pastor got up to give like a message and then a salvation message. And she said in her heart, she's like, oh, Lord, don't let anyone come to the Lord because I want to get to my bed. I just and then she's thinking, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah, totally. And she said she wants to repent, but she really wants her bed. Yeah, I want to go to bed. You know? <laughs> and she said then when the pastor did that, 20 people got up and came forward. And she knew she was going to have to stay there and pray with these people. And so she's ministering to these people and she's asking God's forgiveness, even as she ministers. Mm. But she gets back to the room and she's like, Lord, forgive me for my bad attitude. And, you know, all these bad attitudes were kind of the Holy Spirit was just pressing in on her. So the next day when she went to that other church that was nicer (laughs) and very calm, you know, hymns and she realizes, like, oh, they don't know the true Corey Tinboom. Well, I was just thinking yesterday. <laughs> yes. So Corey Tinboom had a massive stroke in 1978. She'd had mm. heart surgery the year before, and then she started having a series of strokes. And in 1978, she had a stroke that incapacitated her. Mm. And so she was just in her house, unable to do anything. And she she was in that condition for five years. She Ooh, died wow. in 1983. But get this, she died on her birthday, April 15th, wow. 1983. And according to... Just a couple days ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> according to Jewish tradition, people who are born and die on their birthday are especially gifted and anointed by God. Wow. And they believe that. And of course, she's in the Holocaust Museum in mm. Israel. In Israel, yeah. And she's honored there. Mm-hmm. So that was, yes. So that was just like this amazing story. Of, Wonderful. Tinboom. Yes, I love, I love, yeah, I love this story. And like you were saying, how real she is. I mean, that, you know, kind of like when we were talking about Isabel Kuhn um, a couple weeks ago, I mean, just just to see like the humanity, because what that shows is really that we are earthen vessels that the glory of God shines through. Right. Man. And, and I'm thinking that those who are listening to this podcast probably know some earthen vessels. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're like Corey Tin Boom. They're not perfect, but they showed you the way of God. <laughs> yes. Um, Corey Tin Boom saved over 800 people, mm-hmm. but thousands got saved. I mean, she saved yeah, physically, Christ, yeah. but she saved spiritually, you know, thousands, thousands absolutely, on thousands with her message of mm-hmm. hope. But maybe there's someone out there who has somebody who's really amazing in their mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. that they want to, they want to write in or they want to send us um, a letter or get in touch with us. You can go to uh, graciouswords.com mm-hmm. and you can send us your story or you can you know get an address if you want to write it out and send it to us. But we'd love those stories. Yeah, absolutely. And at some point, we'd love to be able to share you know yes. some of these stories. Uh, just the reminder that, hey, God's still working. The same God of all of these people that we've been talking about is still moving and working today. And it might be in somebody that you know. You know, that's so interesting that you said, because I was asked one time I was on a panel, you know, question and answer panel. And they said, you know, what person most influenced you? And Mm. I noticed that everyone that everyone said was dead. Mm. And the Lord just really spoke to me and said, you need to honor the living while they're alive. Right. And some of these people might still be alive. Yes. That that deserves some honor. Uh, One of those people who's still alive right now, I'm thinking of is uh, Jasmine, your mom. My mom, Or yes. we, we know friend Sue McBrian, Sue, yeah, who is just one of the most, Pam Markey. Mm-hmm. Um, and their, their stories will probably, not with their cooperation, come <laughs> onto this program. It is possible, they're yes. definitely, <laughs> Leona Carney. Oh, Leona would be amazing too, yes. yes so absolutely. we know some women who are still living who have 
sacrificed so much and mm-hmm. been through incredible experiences, sometimes traumatic experiences, yes. Lisa Collins, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are still ministering yeah. Yeah. to others. They're living epistles. Still. They're living yes. epistles. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And they've got a story to tell. So we're excited to tell some of those stories, your stories, as you send them in. Of course, I will say this, Jasmine and I have only scratched the surface of all the... Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> More we have to come. Quite a few to come. <laughs> so for this time, this podcast, we want to thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. We're so excited you're there. And we hope that you're inspired, don't we? Yes, absolutely. That you, yeah, again, to realize God is still the same God that he was then. He's still moving and working today as we make ourselves available and to him. And he wants to use women. Yes, well, that very much so. <laughs> That's why we're saying these women, you should know. Yes. Thank you for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter or Facebook. If you have a woman we should know about, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WYSK at CCCM.com. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast available now on any streaming service. Thank you again for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut.